Welcome to Afternoon Delight. Real people and real stories. A local podcast for local artists. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Afternoon Delight. We are here for Easter Monday. I don't know if that's actually a thing because I haven't went to church since I was very wee. Yes, I can't believe I actually used to go to church. I bet you're all thinking, Jory Delight in church? Did they not fucking burn the moment they entered the building? Well, let me tell you, I didn't burn when I went in the building, but I definitely caused a bit of a scene when I was singing my heart out to the fucking hymns. Jesus Christ, I used to love church. But enough of my days as an altar and more of my days talking to amazing musicians who like church bring music to the world. I am so excited to be bringing this guest. Now, I did originally have Miss Annabelle Sings down this week, but unfortunately, she's had to postpone a few weeks. So she is going to be coming on Afternoon Delight, but I've got a surprise guest for you. She is reborn, resurrected, and ready to talk to me about all the infamous, amazing projects she's been doing, running various radio stations during the pandemic and pre-pandemic. She also told me that she studied law, and I really did not expect a DJ and journalist to have studied a law degree, but actually, it makes a lot of sense when you go into journalism, doesn't it? Having to know about the political climate and law, and yet she really blew me away with all the amazing things that she has done and her DJ work, and I've often spoken to the next guest a lot online, but I've never had the chance to meet her properly. So we finally got to meet and share work that I didn't realize she was doing, creating her EP with her new duo Kintra with her sister, doing violin and music. And it's so, so exciting to have one of my favorite DJs and all-round gorgeous human. And apparently she's also a singer. I'm, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm so blown away. It is the incredible artist, DJ, journalist, hero of the Scottish music scene, in my opinion, Frankie Elise. Favourite DJ and all-round talent starlet of the Scottish scene, in my opinion. She is a musician, DJ, and BBC journalist. I can't believe I'm getting to finally meet digitally and interview the incredible Frankie Elise. Hello, you're making me blush. (laughs) No, thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you for asking me on. Oh, no, I just, do you know what? I had a list. I do this every season ago. I've got my wee list of people that I'm like, I'm hunting, I'm getting them. And um, you were definitely one of my favourite to get on the season three of Afternoon Delight. So it's so exciting. You know, we've, funnily enough, we've talked a lot on social media because I've sent you mixes for your radio stations and stuff, which you'll mention later. But um, we obviously know each other sort of through Amy Lamore because Amy Lamore had spoken about you she just loves you as well. I know that um, in the past. And I just remember the name. I went, Frankie Elise, that is a name that I will remember. I love it. <laughs> I know. It was, it was a while ago I met Amy and I remember she totally was chatting about you and I was like, oh, I need to get on that. And I've listened to your mixes as well, like way back. And I love them. So yeah, it's good to finally e-meet you. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So could you introduce yourself to my listeners? That would be amazing. Yeah, sure. I am Frank Ellis. I am a DJ from Dundee, but now based in Glasgow. And yeah, I'm also a BBC journalist, which is quite fun. And I can imagine that's been an interesting experience during the pandemic, you know, being a journalist in the news. Like, 
Yeah, it has been. I mean, my actual role is a digital journalist. So what I do is I will create the little videos you see on BBC News, you know, like the little square ones that pop up on your, your Facebook page or, or whatever. And um, we also look after the social media. So I'm on like the Twitter, Instagram and Facebook accounts. So what I have been doing before the pandemic was I would have a story idea and I'd get to go out and film it myself and edit it myself. Everything was kind of me, which was really great. You know, I totally took charge of it. But during the pandemic, obviously, we've not been able to go out and film as much, especially when it's just us on our own with our little our phones. That's literally what we, we film on. Mm -hmm. So creativity has been a bit, you know, stunted a bit, um, especially, you know, original journalism has been, it's been difficult to do that. But you know, it, everybody's been adapting. I've been really lucky that I could still work during the pandemic and work from home as well. My team's great. Um, so, yeah, it's... And it has been quite difficult in a sense, like, seeing the news every day. Mm. Like, I think I think that's one thing that's quite difficult because, you know, you think things are grand and then, boom, some restriction will come in or or, or somebody will say something about, you know, the, the test, like, the testing, how many people have tested positive for that day or whatever. Um, and it can be quite rough. Just the amount of, like, I remember at one point, Frankie, like, during the pandemic, I think it would have been just pre-summer, the amount of times it was death numbers and, and you know, one death is bad enough. One death in the world is horrible and tragic, but you felt like any time you watched the briefing or you watched the news, you didn't want to put on because it, you were seeing death, death, death constantly and then a little bit of a light-hearted news. And I can imagine for you, you know, you're working in that. You've got to probably put a lot of boundaries in place so you can come home and just shut off from that in general so yeah that's why I'd kind of said you know working in the news just now must have been hard like it is it is hard I mean it's also I guess at the beginning it was quite exciting because we're literally making history at the minute well not making history we're living through history aren't we um so that has been you know it was that kind of beginning like oh wow but then when it lasted months and then a year it's, it kind of gets a lot but we are coming out of it, I think. So it seems to, you know, it's just positivity. That's that's all you can really do. You just got to be positive. And yeah, there have been days where I've been like, read something and it's just totally put a, a downer on. And especially because I'm stuck in the, the gaff and I'm just like, oh, God's sake. But, you know, you just, we're, we're almost out of it. It's it's spring, it's April, the sun's shining. So. And it is, it is that hope that I'm talking about in season three, which we'll touch on very much later in the interview but that hope you can feel it you can see it in the air you can just see it somehow um so I do totally get you that it's been a hard year probably a year and a half by the time it's hopefully fully finished but yeah. it's been heavy going but I'm so glad <laughs> that you can offer time to come and talk about yourself during this because I can imagine work is just so intense but I'm so glad and thank you so much for joining us so let's get straight into your what 15 to 55 minutes of fame um, I'm excited to do this. Um, where did you, because I don't know much about you, apart from your amazing DGEN, right? Where did you grow up and study and work, live before you became a DJ and a journalist? Yeah, well, I lived in Dundee, so I grew up completely in Dundee. I don't know if you can hear it in the accent. It's kind of going, but I'm still quite Dundonian. Um, so grew up there and... I went to Australia for a year after high school, had no idea what I wanted to study. Like I, I got into do product design at Duncan Jordison. Like I actually got in, <laughs> which is not what I'm doing now, nor what I studied. Um, and then when I was in Australia, I was going to study Japanese or, or business or whatever. And I was like applying for like, you know, UCAS. And then on a drunken whim, I decided to do law. 
I, I applied for law and then I, obviously I woke up the next day and was like, yeah, I, I'm going to do this. So I, I didn't write the application smashed, but I had this kind of moment um, epiphany, I suppose, and then got into do law and Spanish. I decided to pick up Spanish from scratch, which was a laugh. Wow. But um, <laughs> honestly, I don't make it easier for myself. Um, but that was a life goal to speak another language. So I'm glad I did that in the end, um, as hard as it was. But yeah, I kind of quickly realised law wasn't for me. Um, so that drunken epiphany wasn't all that fantastic. Don't trust your drunken judgment. I've learned that many on the night out. <laughs> um, Our relationships, you know, don't trust drunk, drunk Jordy when you're dating. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I think I've got into two relationships, both of them whilst I was drunk. So there you go. But <laughs> anyway, um, so... Yeah, I decided I didn't want to do law, but like it was a good degree. And we're so lucky in Scotland, we've got free education. Like it's just incredible. So I stuck with that. I got to live in Madrid for a year and um, yeah, to do the Spanish. That was great. Um, and it was about that time. I think I was kind of thinking about, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't even consider DJing, but it was more kind of like, I met this guy randomly, completely randomly in, the, in a car share thing. I was coming back from a festival and he'd pick me up and it's kind of like a it's called blah blah car right and it's kind of like um I don't even know it's kind of like couch surfing but like for cars but you pay a little bit of money so you put in like I'm going from Benny Cassim to Madrid and I was like I need to go from Benny Cassim to Madrid so I message this guy and he's like yeah we've got a space in the car so I spent give him like 10 euro and then he drives me it's it's, it's awesome it's such a good concept like it's really big in Spain um, and in Europe so anyway I was in this car and I met this dude um, PMP his name is um, his, his, his artist name Pedro his actual name and he was lovely and then we just totally clicked and then he was like yeah I'm a producer and I was like oh cool don't really know much about that and he invited me along to his gaff his studio and it uh, was like proper legit like really cool and he um, you know he was into trap that kind of music at the time that was really big like 2016 like kind of trap music um, and he had decks and I was like hmm um, but really, initially, it was the, the kind of singing, because I'm a singer, um, so it was more like, oh, maybe I could, like, start DJing so I could collab with, um, this was literally my thought process, I can collab with producers and kind of sing for them. So that was kind of what I thought. I was like, oh, it'd be quite good to kind of get in that scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, that was that, and he was lovely. I've still got him on Insta. And then I went back to, to Edinburgh to finish my final year of uni, and... Uh, I started in student radio and there were decks in the studio. And I think, you know, after seeing Pedro's and just kind of thinking, oh, this would be quite good. I, I thought I'd maybe try my hand at it, but I, I, yeah, sorry, this is going on for a while. I'm really <laughs> telling you my life story here. But um, yeah. You tell us everything. <laughs> I want to hear all of it. So I just decided, you know, like I wanted to learn. I really wanted to learn. And um I couldn't really put my 100% into it because it was my last year of uni. Like I said, Spanish was so difficult. So I thought, right, I'll finish my studies. I'll, I'll get the exams out of the way. And then I'll just go to Ibiza and do a DJ course. Like, I'll just get someone to teach me. <laughs> so um, I found this course online. And I was literally in the law library, like, studying away, like, looking at my, this course. Um, and I went away and booked it. I was just like, screw it. And then it was amazing. Like, I, honestly, it was point blank. Um based in London they are that 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 school but they have like studios in Ibiza and I think this was the first year they were running it and it was great like it was um 
you know, it was, it was quite, I guess it was quite expensive, but like for what you were getting was like really good. Um, you got free Ableton, which I still have. Um, and then you got free record box. And they're both quite expensive, you know, and I have, I had a Serato c- controller um, because I bought Serato controller and didn't realise record box was the thing to have. So very lucky that they, I know I bought all this stuff without even knowing how to DJ. I was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm glad they gave me a record box. Um, and yeah, it was brilliant. And then I came back and that was it. Um, and, you know, obviously I graduated at this point and then I started, so that was 2017. That's when I started DJing really properly. And uh, I think I was just like, you know, the law was done with. I, I didn't want to do law. Spanish was great to have, but it's more of a skill rather than I'm going to pursue this as a career. Yep. And um, I think after, you know, student radio, I did really enjoy it. And I wish I'd got into it earlier. You know, I do wish I'd got into DJing in that earlier, but, you know, at least I'm into it now. Mm-hmm. So I um, decided to, you know, I wanted to do radio. That was it. DJing and radio, it just seemed to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So then I moved to Glasgow and just tried to do everything I could. You know, I was an, an intern in heart um and capital for free like I wasn't getting paid of that I was grafting a lot like I was doing so much random free stuff mm-hmm. and then um got a placement at BBC Scotland which was really lucky because it's quite a formal process to get an internship through there like with capital I just emailed them was like yo can I come along but um yeah it was you know I was quite lucky I remember being really really happy when I got that and it was just a two-week thing and then they could tell that I was like super keen so they were like you know it's a shame that you, you can't work here kind of like full time. Like, and obviously you're super, you know, keen. Why don't you apply for the journalism trainee scheme? And I was like, what's that? <laughs> um, I'd always, I thought about journalism. I had considered it once or twice, but it, it wasn't something that, I don't know, it was more radio I was wanting, but then I kind of looked into the scheme and I was like, oh God, like you could do everything. And this is like, you know, it's telling stories. I love telling stories. Um, so I applied and was very, very, very lucky and got it. So that's how I became a journalist <laughs> um, through the scheme. And it was amazing. They taught us how to, you know, everything. And, and at the end of it, I got a job. So here I am. <laughs> and I still DJ. So <laughs> That is absolutely incredible because I love that they, in a way, came hand in hand. Because when I was getting my question scared for you, I thought to myself, oh, I, I'm really interested to work out how I'll get DJ and journalists together like I, I felt like I was gonna get two sides of a coin and get two stories that were going hand in hand but they just seem to naturally merge which is absolutely brilliant and I love that you talk about this thing about oh, I wish I'd gotten into DJing earlier because I talked to so many DJs had a few on Afternoon Delight um, and also just in general I've got loads of DJ friends and one thing I'm always fascinated by is their individual story of some of them aren't DJing until they're in their 30s 40s some of them have been DJing since they were like 15 14 and they were at high school and for me, like one of the things I've always spoke about is that when I was at high school and I was doing like higher music, it was funny that the best grade I ever got at uni, at, not uni, school, was music. But I didn't want to do it at uni. I didn't want to pursue it in my life. I was like, I don't want to sing. I don't want to do composition. I can't stand this shit. But it was the best grade I got. And I thought, how did I manage to get the best grade in something like this? But I didn't want to do it. And I went and did obviously drama and performance. And that was what I was passionate about. And like you said, you know, one of the things I wanted to do during the pandemic was I was like, do you know what? I am a drag queen. And one of the things I wish I'd done that I'd school put me off doing was singing. And I was like, I really want to get back into it. Now is maybe the time. So I was like, I'll do some YouTube covers. I'll get a like vocal coach. And I'm literally now, like you're saying, like looking at, I'm a DJ. Why don't I try and do my own music that I can then play in a set? And people are like, oh my God, is that Jordy singing? What the fuck? Like, 
And it's it's so interesting that when you look, talk to DJs like yourself and they go, oh, well, I wish I'd done a younger. It's like, if it's, in my opinion, it's always been if it's in you, it will happen. If it's in yeah. you, will come out at some point. Um, and it's that role of an artist in general that, you know, it's in their veins. I feel that they're, they're always going to do it somehow. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's so interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do music. Like, ever since, you know, I was, I was very young, me and my twin sister, we always wanted to do music. We just didn't know how. Um, because like I said, I'm a I'm a singer, I love singing. Um and I did a lot of music theatre like in high school and then a bit in uni, but like nothing like professional, just like you know, random student associations and stuff. But um I loved it. But it was always that way, like I don't really play a guitar, I don't play piano. Like, how do you become a musician if you don't have any of that? Like I played the violin, but like you said, like I think the way music was taught to me, and it might be the same with you. It's, it's all very like you know classical and it's not and it's not that accessible like when they're teaching you violin it's all this like stuff that as a you know 16 year old girl I'm not really that interested in but if they let me play stuff like Lady Gaga or or, or, or anything you know Katy Perry which was big at the time that would have totally piqued my interest and I think they should do that I really think they should do that because it's still you know it's still good music and it's still you could challenge the, the pupil but I just think uh perhaps stay away from the Bach <laughs> but um yeah I t- totally agree with you there and I think singing in a set would be class you should definitely do that <laughs> I've got Love that I've got from my goals when venues open you know I will be doing live PA when I'm DJing singing either covers or like you know things like mojo and covering that and me singing it live and with instrumental people are like what the fuck I'm like yes Johnny tonight <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> no I, I love that I think it's really nice when people you know can add a different element into their DJ it's, it's good fun and it's funny you talk about this like for what I would consider that as a sort of theory aspect with schools and uni was when I was at school I remember we'd do our listening music exams and I'd be like I can't like I don't know where this like modulation is coming in I don't know what the keys are and I'm getting so confused because it wasn't music I could connect with but anytime there was a fucking Disney song or a pop song, like I remember my higher exam, I sat there and was like, this is so stressful. And I couldn't work at the baseline. And Lil Butch Remedy came on and I went, I know what this is. I can get this going. Like, <laughs> what, year, what year did you uh, finish high school? Oh, it, oh God, now, you're, now we're telling my age. It's 2013. But I did higher right. in 2012. We were higher music in 2012. So did I. I remember that. And it was I remember the- that. I remember little, yeah. I because re- but as soon as you said that, I was like, that has totally rung a bell. Because I did music in my last year, yeah. I'm sure we, I did. Because it was they were like, look for the bass line, and all you heard was the do 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 do. And I was like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Because that was my sister's favorite song at the time. And I remember she was like, Yeah, I do remember. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I totally get you. Like it's it, is that way and I think they should really push DJing in schools I think it's just something that's it's kind of maybe not not looked on like badly because it's not but I just don't think people really consider it as a viable career when it can be or at least even a, a fun side hustle like I just think they really should push these more fun degrees like even journalism nobody spoke to me about journalism in school nobody and I think like it's always like you should you're clever so you should do law and that was in the back of my mind. Okay, I'm I'm clever. I can get an A. I'm going to do law. Whereas no, I could have just totally went straight into work experience at TFM or whatever, and that would have been you know. But I'm I'm here now, so it's fine. But I just think you know for for younger generations, I think it's important that they're really given that 
the option to to kind of look into these but I guess that sorry I'm totally going off on my soapbox here but like I guess you know with the internet as well it wasn't as developed back then when we were like in in high school so I guess now it's dead easy how do you get into journalism you know what I mean whereas before maybe it was harder to find it unless you had those contacts you're so accurate in everything you've said and it's funny because this conversation is not the first time this has happened you're not taking us on a tangent because (laughs) people I've got who come on and go well I studied this but then I did this and I go, really? And the common theme is always, I was kind of pushed into it at school and I thought I had to because I was an A student, so I should go do law or politics or business economics. And they were like, I had a drag queen on called CJ Banks in season two who was like, oh, I was doing accountancy. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I was going to be an accountant. And then I went, my heart is not in this. I want to be a performer. And I was like, that's so well. Went, yeah, but in my school, it was I was getting all A's, so I should go and do something like that. And I went, yeah. that's so interesting. And we talked about that in schools, that that's usually a reflection on the school, really, that they want their students that have got all A's to go to these fancy, degree, fancy degrees. But it's so interesting because like, I'd been interviewed two weeks ago by BBC Radio in Scotland, and they said to me, oh, you know, like, what was it like growing up at Leaf Academy doing the arts? And I said, oh, I wasn't doing the arts. I was wanting to be a politician. Like, a sad... Is Leith Academy known for the arts? Uh, well, this is why they were interviewing me, because Ian McKellen has put in a huge, brilliant theatre space that we did. So he has. So and, he has. I read that. And they had said to me, like, oh, how do you feel? But I, I feel great, because when I was doing modern studies, but drama, I was like, oh, this theatre space is shite. I'll go and be a politician. <laughs> in, uh, in my last year, uni went, nah, I won't go do English, let in politics. I'll go and do, like, drama and, and be an actor. Ha ha. And then I became a <laughs> drag queen 10 years later. Like, it just, it's, I mean, it's not what I had in my mind. Well, they're not too different, though. That Acting and drag isn't that different. You, you're becoming this kind of persona. So you are acting, I suppose, in a way. Totally. And politics and drag are very much the same, really. If you go to the drag scene, <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> exactly the same. You're all acting. <laughs> it's a lot of So... <laughs> You are an absolute brilliant DJ. I love listening to your stuff. So could you talk me through some of the radio stations that you run and, and just your DJ work just now? Yeah, God, I, I always say I take on too much and it's definitely a thing. So at the minute, you know, I've got my own Frankie Elise kind of little thing going. So that's just just me DJing along. I've got my Groove City radio show, um, To Be Frank, which I think is really funny. Um, it was my, uh, my sister's boyfriend came up with that. I was like, you are witty, Dan. Um, he's, he's a good guy. So To Be Frank on Groove City radio, and that's uh, once a month, and that's good fun, which you've been on. So um, that was fantastic. We did that. I think it was uh, September. It was in September we did that. Um, so yeah, I've got that. And then I've also got the Project Radio Show with um, my twin sister. So we're um, we're called Kintra, and we're a DJ violin duo, which is a lot of fun. So um, yeah, that's quite a new thing that that uh, opportunity in that station, which is so super great because like the guys in in Project Radio are, are fantastic, and there's a really nice little bunch um, who are also kind of involved in that. So it'll be nice to actually meet them all in person when we can, and. Uh, so that's with me and Josette, and uh, then we've got Polka Dot Disco Club. So that's just the the women collective that I started up last year. And I got them a wee slot on Radio Buena Vida, which is also based in Glasgow. And that is just, is really just to keep 
the girls you know I mean obviously it's great like you know having that opportunity but it's, it's to keep the girls excited and, and to keep them developing because you know we're not able to take them out to the clubs or that or get them gigs or anything so and um, when this opportunity came along I kind of jumped at it and I was like yeah yeah we'll take the polka dot brand to there and they've been amazing and I think it's a, the perfect place for polka dot really um it totally fits in with our vibe and so yeah I've re- really enjoyed that so that's um my three radio things uh don't have anything else at the minute, so we're, we're good with those. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that's an interesting parallel between me and you, I feel, though, because you're saying this about the Polka Dot Radio, that, you know, you wanted to help the girls, give them something to look forward to, try and get them out there, and, and I say this, when I say this, Tranner, somewhere I'm coming from, but it's sort of like a mother of a group, right, the way it's happening, but we have the same vibe with the House of Liability, my drag family and drag show, that I'm doing the Twitch show monthly for them and putting it together and we do our drag show and they it's something for them to look forward to every week that they go right this month's theme is going to be this and then I'm going to go and put my performance together this week and then I'm going to send it shortly this week and, and it's something really motivating them and I thought I thought you know what I was maybe doing it at Caval because that was where I had the meeting the week before the pandemic happened and so then, that would have been amazing by the way that will be amazing when it when it happens when it happens it will be amazing I think they would still be very keen to have it but 100%, 100%. the thing is, we put on Twitch because I went, well, we'll do it on Twitch. Loads of drag queens are doing drag shows on Twitch. And two other venues were like, oh, we went on this. And I thought, where has this come from? It was just something for fun that we would do that mm. younger ones could really get behind because I am a 26-year-old, but I am their mother. Like, you know, I'm basically like constantly mentoring them and giving them advice um, and helping them have a platform. So I totally relate with that comment on the Polka Dot Club, obviously. And I think that's good you're doing that. And, you know, my, one of my questions actually for you is, like, have you, you know, what do you find, have you done live DJing in person? Yeah. Like in a nightclub? Yeah. Mm. And mm. so this is my question for you, right, that I want to know, because I've never done, I've never actually done a live DJ on a radio sort of type set. set. What do you feel the difference is between radio and live? Um, oh, God. Live is harder because you really have to play to the crowd. Um, I mean, it, if you're doing a radio show, you can literally do what you want. And I think I tend to be in my radio, and even in my mixes, I tend to be more chilled, uh, especially at the start. I, I kind of do it so I'm more chilled at the start, more heavy at the end. That's kind of my vibe, and I think that's a lot of DJs' vibe. Yeah, but then when you're playing live, it just really depends on the time you're playing. So I've played warm-up sets and... Um, you know, I played in sub club actually a few years ago and that was like amazing because it was I was put on first, right? So I kind of thought it's going to be quite quiet, you know, it's the first slot. Um so I was like, right, I've got I've got a kind of bank of tunes which I think I'll play. Did not play any of them because it got so busy so quickly. And I think that's the difficulty about playing live. It's like, right, well, you've got to totally adapt. Whereas when you're doing a radio show, you can you've got your songs that you want to play, you've got your information about the artist. Whereas when it's live, it's just like boom, 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 right, let's go. Or if you're peak time, then you've really got to make sure that you're playing tunes that are going to get the crowd going. So you I think with the live set is you can mix it up more as well. It just depends. It totally de- depends on the vibe, but um I, I do prefer live. Of course I do. I obviously totally <laughs> relate because with me, it's like my thing has always been because I've DJ in places like Cavo, Bongo Club, eh, Sneakies, I'm very much like, right, I used to DJ at like Delmonica's and um, Polo in Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. 
for me, the difference, and I hate to say it, but as someone that is part of the community, the LGBT community, the difference has always been that if I'm in CCs, even the street sometimes, or Dells and Polo, I would be expected to play certain tunes or certain types of tunes because that is that is the theme, and I love I love the tunes I play, but I couldn't go into like CCs and do a four-hour house set on the main dance floor. Like it just it would be a bit like mm, where's the energy, where's the sort of liveliness, and um, you know the street I can do house and disco house and stuff and funk, which is great, but um, that's the thing. Whereas when I was doing bongo literally two weeks for the pandemic for um, my friend Skillis's night I was like oh like I just took in the tunes I wanted to play and I thought well do you know what I'm bringing this stuff in and let's see how they all react but it was for like an LGBT theme night and one of the favorite things I did was they were it was all like disco that they probably wouldn't know obscure but they were loving it but then I had like broke the music at the end and everyone was like what was this and I put on the purple disco remix of Dua Lipa Don't Start Now and they all were like yes because they knew it but it's a great remix it's such a banging remix um, and I know what you mean, it's about that adaptability because I hadn't planned on playing that Julie song. I had it by chance from like another folder. I went, oh, they would actually like this, so let's do it. And they went wild for it. So I totally relate, yeah. I know, but then sometimes you could totally miss the mark. Like I've, I've sometimes like, you know, I've, I've played a gig and I've played this tune and people been like, oh my God, that was such a good choice. And I was like, yeah. But then um, I remember I was playing a gig. To be fair, it's never really bombed. I've never had a, a track bomb completely not not anytime recently maybe back in the very early days but um I was playing this gig and it was uh, it was quite a big one actually um and uh, it was at a festival in Czech Republic and it was a big ass stage and I played this tune um it's absolute anthem rapper's delight right and it's the kind of the remix it was, it's a good one very good and I played this before and people like it went off did not go off in in Czech Republic it was like they liked it and they were just kind of like dancing but did not react the way they had with the other tracks and it just would have see if that went off in a crowd in Scotland Rapper's Delight definitely would have went off like completely people would have been singing along Czech Republic maybe not so I think it's you know what I mean you kind of just have to like and that's just the one thing that sticks in my mind just just because I know it would have totally went off if you played it at like fly or something so totally. yeah you're so right, because I remember I played Pure Shores um, in the street ones, and they all loved it. Like, all saints, you know, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was, it was the last song. It was a really good one for the last night uh, track. And did it in CC's around one o'clock, which is sort of the prime time that everyone's arrived and the party started. And everyone just kind of, I thought, they'll love it. All saints put on, and everyone was like... <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> week they, they flew off the handle for this but this week it's like how long has this got maybe we should go for a pee do you want our drink can can they play like Ariana Grande <laughs> like do you know what I mean it totally depends on the crowd doesn't it and it's just it's it takes you know a bit of time kind of to learn that and uh, you're still going to get get it wrong years into the game you're still going to like mess it up once or twice but you just play the next banger and it's fine totally so we've been talking about live venues and sort of live DJing, you know, what do you feel like it's been like as a DJ and also also as a journalist? It'd be interesting to hear both thoughts, but we did touch briefly on that earlier. What's it been like doing all this online during the pandemic and not having the option to go and do it live in venues? And, you know, what's it been like for you as a DJ and journalist during the pandemic? Well, I kind of touched, yeah, like you said, I touched on it before about the journalism part. Like it is, it's difficult. You, you, you can't be as creative as you'd, as you'd like. Um, but in terms of DJing, um, 
See what it's. I, I've, I've really appreciated the time in a way because my SoundCloud is glittering. I have so many mixes now, which see before the pandemic, I had like one or two really crappy mixes from years ago. And I just I just did not keep up with the online mixes. I was more like in-person gigs. And I have no idea how I was booked because uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody would have known what I played. <laughs> it was just... Um, I was a mess to be honest that SoundCloud but now it's it's, it's got all my mixes and um, so I really appreciate that and it's been fun actually because I've been able to really get into genres that I never really liked like see at the beginning of the pandemic I did not like techno did not know much about techno did not play techno now I love techno and I've done a few techno sets and I'm just like I know and I'm just like oh um, I think it's because a lot of my friends in Glasgow who have actually only they're fairly new friends. I met them kind of just like around the pandemic time, just before it really, um, they love techno. So I think they've really influenced me on that. And uh, so but I've been really grateful for, for the kind of crate digging aspect and the genre finding. And also I've been working on, well, me and Josette, I've been working on our EP for Kintra. So that was really good, you know, time to properly produce. Um, so it has been good in that sense. That's the positives I'm taking from it. Obviously negatives, I can't go out, I can't DJ, I can't get that, that normal buzz. I, I love the weekends. I've always been a big party animal. So that's why DJing is great because I get to work and party. It's so good. Um, so yeah, not being able to do that and you could probably relate. It sucks. It really does suck. And it's that social contact that I totally miss. I'm a huge extrovert. So that has been rubbish. But I guess it's just kind of taking time for yourself and trying to develop in other aspects of your life, which perhaps you wouldn't have been able to do had we not had the pandemic, so. You're totally right. It's that, for me, it's that, like, recharging aspect to it, to take time to sit and be fully present and think about these things that we maybe wouldn't have before. And the create digging, I love that that expression you've used because it's, obviously, it's true, but for me, that's such expression that that's transferred into my mental health and me create digging myself and who I am, my identity. But the music aspect, I, as a DJ, actually some of the sets have been turning out since the pandemic. At one point last year, I was like, right, do you know what? I don't have anything work-wise coming in because loads of things are gone. I will just every week DJ online on Facebook. And the amount of things that I was playing music-wise that I was like, I wouldn't have had the time to play stuff like this because in the club at Cecil Street, you know, like I said, there's that expectation that you know, when I'd go bongo, I could prepare a set. But for CC's and Street, I knew I would get asked for so many songs that came out. Like, if, if we were open right now, every fucking night I'd be DJing, it'd be Chromatica, any tune. Yeah. <laughs> or, or WAP. Definitely yeah. WAP. <laughs> I have a fucking banging disco remix of WAP that I'll need to send you that's absolutely... Do you? Iconic remix See- of- I've got a really good um, breaks remix from this uh, producer up in Aberdeen. His name's Modar, and I love his stuff. I'm actually getting him on as one of my guests for Groove City. His stuff, you check him out, Modar. Like, it's really, like, kind of breaks, that kind of edgy um, vibe. It's, oh, amazing. Very good, very good remix. So I play that one. You mentioned, and I didn't expect this, but the EP. Can we hear more about the EP that you and your sister have been doing? Yeah, so the EP is something that we've, I mean... We've been wanting to make music for a while. I guess that was kind of how this all began, um, albeit I don't sing on it. <laughs> but uh, she plays the violin. So, yeah, we started that about, I think, just, just over a year ago. Yeah, roughly about a year ago, we started the EP. And it was it was just, it took a while, you know, because we had the Ableton and we have been kind of working on that. And um, producing is something that I've, I've 
you know, I was taught to do. I was taught to do in this DJ course, but it's just something I've really been trying to get like good at. So we did this EP and it's still unreleased, still unreleased. We're just trying to find a home for it, a label to, to sign it really. But um, we did send one of our tracks to Introducing a few weeks ago. I think the start of March we sent it and BBC Scotland played it, which was amazing. And then last weekend, Jaguar on the BBC Introducing Dance show played it and she picked it as her dance floor moment and I was like are you serious like I remember I got I got the email and I was actually crying like I was like oh my god like I can't believe this I called Josette I was like Josette 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 Josette. we just got this email oh my god oh my god um so yeah I was so happy and it was just so nice like you know Jaguar is amazing like the stuff she's doing for like all these unsigned artists or even signed artists she's totally like pushing their music and that's amazing um so I was totally grateful for that so grateful so um, that was one track that came out. So we've, we've got the other two just kind of sitting um, in, in, in the, the, the private SoundCloud link, but hopefully we can get it signed. So that's the, that's the next aim. Brilliant. And I'm not going to lie to you, I feel like there's a cosmic fate happening right now because I've been looking for a producer to help me make a like a house track. So I feel like maybe I need to get hooked up with you doing a wee track. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've wrote the lyrics. I need someone to help me make the music. I could see this happening. <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking about these amazing projects you're doing, like myself, you know, keeping busy, because I'm very much a, if I don't have projects, I will lose my mind. Um, it could literally be that I would bake a cake every day if I needed to. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. What sort of stuff have you been doing to cope during the pandemic? Because a lot of people I've spoken to during the project for afternoon delight have with therapy, they've been doing physical exercise, they've been on medication. It'd be great to hear what sort of stuff you've been doing to cope. To cope during the pandemic. Well, the pandemic for me, yeah, I mean, it's been like, it's been a year, hasn't it? I've been, I've been distracting myself. I think that's probably the best way to, to, to put it, as I've been distracting myself. I bought, a, I bought a flat in May. Wow. And I got, right. <laughs> Um, so it's something I thought about for a while. Me and my sister were really wanting to do it. Did it together, which it's really great having a twin because you could just do stuff like that. Yeah. So um, and it totally shares the 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 risk, you know, because it's a big thing buying a house. <laughs> so we decided to buy a flat um, in May time, and we, yeah, like I said, we'd been thinking about it for a few months, and then the pandemic hit. But we were like, we still want to do it. We found this flat. It was amazing. We saw it on a, it was a YouTube video we saw, and. It was perfect location, 10 minute walk from my work. And and funnily enough, we'd actually looked at a flat just literally in the following building, like in January, like of last year before the pandemic. And I'd, I'd been in the building and I was like, I like this this flat, but it wasn't big enough. But I was like, I like it. But I had a feeling, you know, I had a funny feeling. And I remember left, I left the, the building and I texted Josette and I was like, ah, it's, it's not quite right, but I just have a feeling. She's like, oh, well, we'll find another one. Fucking got this one, didn't we? So um, yeah, we saw this and... Um, Oh, that was amazing. We 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 got the keys. We obviously we've you know got the mortgage and everything. Got the keys, um, but I hadn't seen it in person until we moved in, which was really risky. That is. Um, yeah. But I mean, you saw the video and it was fine. And I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, it was it was good because obviously, like I think we were at an advantage because nobody else was like buying at that time. So we got this, you know without much competition which was great because it's a lovely three-bedroom flat with a balcony so I'm pretty lucky um so we came in and uh yeah it was not as nice as you'd think like the, the carpets were a mess we had to get rid of all the carpets none actually no that's a lie the living room one's salvageable so we kept that <laughs> but um the walls were full of like 
wallpaper that had never been like it'd just been like wallpaper on wallpaper on wallpaper so it would never been like scraped off so that took three weeks to get it off um so yeah literally it was it was it was like changing rooms we were really doing this place up um it's so mad how different it looks now but it did take quite a few months like so a big chunk of the pandemic was just doing that um and, and I was living in this place I stupidly finished my lease on the other flat that I was living in and moved in here and I was literally living in a building site living in a blow-up mattress in that living room for about six weeks seven weeks my god it was horrible it was hot it was actually horrible <laughs> but like it's good now because I can sit in my living room and be like <sighs> yeah you know what I mean it, you could really appreciate it because you went through that rubbish um so that's you know that's been a big distraction the flat has been a huge distraction massive distraction because I've just been you know it's been a slow process and painting it and then getting all the furniture and just totally building it up from scratch so yeah sorry that's a total tangent again but that has been my total distraction like that is that has been my coping mechanism the flat focusing on the flat and of course music but that is oh because I was the same that pre-pandemic that two weeks beforehand I had my decorator redo my whole house I must have known I must because yeah. I hated that my bedroom was bright fucking yellow I don't know why <laughs> I thought yellow will make me happy no I fucking would wake up and go I feel sick get this, <laughs> this away so I got him to decorate the whole flat I had saved up loads from work because I was working constantly two months beforehand DJing all the time and I paid him and it was a week later and I thought right well half of my house is the way I want it and then I started doing some private stuff online and um, some workshops and stuff out of drag and then I'd worked luckily I'd enough that I'd saved a little bit more and he did my um, spare room for me oh, amazing furniture for me in the July like just after they started letting self-employed people come to those houses and I was like brilliant and I thought to myself this was a good project that I just sat and I, you know what it's like it's like you make a track and you sit and go right this here this here and you slowly let it happen and then by the end you go oh my god that's it finished it's done it's the same for the flat like you're like mm -hmm. in this room and then I sit at night and go I love my safe space it makes me so grounded so happy and it is such great distraction you're so right and it probably it can probably sound a bit in my opinion if it was coming from me like you know sort of that thing that oh, I'm hating the fact that I'm on a block mattress on living room floor, right? Or me going, oh, I'm hating the fact that I can't, like, go in my spare room for my therapy sessions, right? But in a way, that's such a healthy distraction because it makes you not think about the stuff you'll be dealing with work. Do you know what I mean? That you're like, well, I'll focus on this and then it'll help. And it does help. And it was like me, I'd go, right, well, I have to do therapy in my living room, but at least I can do therapy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it... it yeah, it, you, you look at the good... The, the, the silver linings, even. You look at those little aspects that's exactly it you know and it's so brilliant to hear that you've been doing all that I, I totally empathize and relate so you know for younger students that might be listening that are wanting to pursue DGN or journalism you know what would you offer as advice because I'm, I've been talking to do a lot of outreach stuff for unis and colleges and I'm like I keep hearing like younger people go oh I don't even know like if I want to pursue the arts or any of this because of the pandemic and I'm like no no like don't the world's on pause it's not over so what would you say to younger people that were listening for younger people that maybe want to get involved in DJing and or journalism, okay, we'll start on DJing. I say, if you want to be a DJ, brilliant, definitely have a backup. Not because I'm shitting on your dream. I'm just saying, like, it's it's really good to keep, you know, you've got to have something just to get the money coming in, you know, and and, and to kind of ground you as well. And it's, it's just, yeah, I, I think... 
I think that's probably the best. That's what I've done, you know, and, and I guess I'm just really lucky that journalism is my, my you know, my grounding. And I, I love that as well. And I think if you wanted to get into journalism, just do as much work experience as possible. That is really the important thing. Just don't be afraid to email people. And that's that's what I've done. Like, if they say no, they say no. Like, you've not lost or gained anything. In fact, you've gained confidence because you've, you know, you've you've done that. So, um email anyone you can like and try the smaller places so the smaller newspaper um you know the, the local newspaper perhaps the local radio station even community radio stations can be great uh brilliant so you know you can go and volunteer there i used to volunteer at sunny govan actually i didn't do that for very long but a few months and sunny govan's a community station in glasgow so places like that and just get as much experience as you can and um you don't have to study journalism if you want to be a journalist. Like I didn't study it. Uh, if anything, you know, it's, it's it's actually good to have something different. You know, it's good to have a different degree or a, or a different background because they're looking for diversity. They, they want you to be rounded because like, for example, I've got like that background in music. Or So if a music story comes up or, or, or a DJing story, like I, I perhaps am the person they go to or they ask more information about like, you know, the nightlife, I'm maybe the person they go to. So I've got that kind of experience. So don't be afraid to kind of branch out as well. Um, aye, just as much experience as you can. Also, start a blog would be amazing. If you want to be a newspaper or, or write articles, like definitely kind of write blogs or, or, or um, you know, start a YouTube channel. When you're applying for jobs, they love to see that they've got, you've got all these extra little things that you do. Um, absolutely love it. Because uh, multimedia journalists, is, you know, that, that's what they look for these days. Like, a journalist who could do everything. Uh, so if you can, then you're already, you know, you're you're balling. So you're so accurate, and you know it's so funny. But I remember the first ever professional show I done, and the fringe, which wasn't even in drag. It was just one of my first professional shows I performed in, was based on a blog that I had written for two years that I just wrote as my therapy sort of session a week that I'd go okay, Scary Bradshaw back here. How am I doing with this week? Me and this guy are having issues, but it ended up becoming a show somehow and I remember thinking to myself well if I'd never started that blog that show would never have happened and I'm then just blogging writing getting your stuff out there it helps the email thing as well so apt because the amount of times that during the pandemic I've had as an artist pre-pandemic too but during the pandemic you know rejections and rejections and you're sitting going I've been rejected my whole life but like you are fuck's sake but the amount of times I'm always like emailing people like Hiya, well, thank you for that. And if there's ever any stuff in the future, please let me know and I will reapply because you're never going to get anywhere if it, you know, I hate it. It's a hard industry to work in, but being able to just send those emails and become slightly numb to it in a way really will help you. Um, yeah. Give you the confidence to do this long-term, I feel. So I'm really yeah. I've said that. I know, and rejection is like some, something that is difficult to deal with. It is really difficult. And I have been rejected so many times, you know, in my professional life or, or in personal life. And <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it, it's something you just kind of have to, you know, brush off, move on. Something that's meant for you will happen. And it does happen. And it's so hard, you know. It's really, really hard when everything just seems like rejection after rejection. I, I know it. I've been there. But it does get better. So people listening, like, they do, they, you know, if it does seem absolutely crap, it does get better. Just keep sending those emails. I, I've, I've been rejected like this week, you know, from something that I, you know, applied for um, within, you know, my, my job. Like 
so you just but then you just take the positives well, okay right so what's the positives from this ah well you know at least I'm on their radar they know that I'm interested in this or that you know and that's that's what you got to take from it and and people will look back like I think I I messaged somebody a wee while ago um I can't remember what it was um I think it was, yeah it was it was about like a radio yeah it was a radio slot um it was actually for Kindra and I was like oh if you're looking for any and they were like oh no not right now and then they got in touch a few months later oh actually we've got a slot like come up now see what I mean so so you just kind of have to and it's not you it's it's not personal it's just they didn't have a slot at that time you know and and then now they do so you just gotta keep trying so accurate amazing so I'm gonna ask you favorite interview or piece of work you've done as a journalist if you could yeah as a journalist favorite piece of work I mean I did so many fun things like I got to I got to do the fringe actually. Um, I was just finishing as a trainee, and I got to go out with um, Polly McLean, and she kind of is like the arts correspondent for BBC Scotland. Do you know Pauline, right? Interviewed me like, yeah. go, she's a gem. Yep, she's so lovely. Yeah, so I got to go out with her, and she's she's class. So me and her were just like bombing about, and you know, she took me to some shows that she was kind of like interviewing people for, and I got to like sit with her and do that, and then I got to do my own interviews and with random kind of shows, and it was just great. I was like, I would love your job, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really good fun. But I think my favorite ever interview, and it's funny because this actually wasn't with with work. Um, this was before I even applied for the BBC scheme I uh, interviewed each everything with um fresh air yeah yeah so with my student radio I was oh I was so lucky I wasn't even a student anymore but I was still doing a lot of stuff with the student radio and I was still doing a lot of gigs for them and uh this opportunity came up and it was like each everything through night visions uh looking to be interviewed so who wants to do it? And I was like, me, 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 please, please, please. So it was me and two other people did it. And it was great. So I got eats everything to literally eat everything. So I'd went to this Chinese supermarket and bought all these like random wee things, like the little mochi balls and stuff. And I remember giving and giving them to him and him and his big Bristolian accent was so funny. He was just fantastic. He was such a good sport. And uh, yeah, really, really appreciate that. So I said, that's probably my favorite interview. And I guess, because like I came up with that idea, I was like, it's not like a particularly like fantastic idea, but it was quite, it worked, you know, it worked. And uh, yeah, I loved that. So I love that. I think that for me, that that's so clever and such a good way to get people's attention with an interview is here's Eats Everything, Ian Everything. Haha, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, funny. Amazing. And if I had to say to you, you know, one of your favorite DJ sets you've ever done, which one would you say? Favourite, honestly, it's so difficult to say. I'm, I'm trying to, sorry, it's difficult. I think perhaps one of the most recent ones I did before the pandemic, it was Sneaky Pete's and it was on a Monday and I thought it was going to be dead quiet that day because like we, we, we started and the boy on before me, like it wasn't the biggest crowd. They were loving it. They were absolutely loving it, but it was, you know, quite a small crowd and then I went on and it just totally like, filled up um it's just, it just the time of night I got really lucky and it was um oh it was brilliant so good I think the thing with Sneaky Pete's is because it's such an intimate venue and they've got the stage everybody was standing on it and like every tune I was playing they're all dancing and singing um so that was brilliant I mean I've had some great gigs like the one I was on about earlier on the one in Czech Republic that was fantastic just because it was such a big crowd and I think uh I've also played um at Swiss Festival um and that's that's the, my favourite festival I've ever been to. And I guess 
maybe it wasn't the best set I've ever played, but I think I was just very happy in general that week that I was there. So I would say that was a very good kind of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had some great ones, but probably Sneaky Feet's probably my favourite in terms of like audience experience and, and the, the tracks I played. It's so interesting because I did a night at Sneaky Pete's on a Monday as well called Swinger, which was meant to be like electro jazz and sort of like house and stuff. And um, it was maybe sort of LGBT inclusive and all, all genders and sexualities. That's why I called it Swinger. And I really, um, I loved it because they were saying, you know, a Monday can be a hit or a miss, so don't be upset because the bar staff are so lovely. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just here to play my tunes. I'm not even in drag. And I did it and it was so busy. And they'd said, we didn't expect this many people would come. And I was like, neither did I. <laughs> Like that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I have to go. Are you going to do those nights when you, when everything goes back? Because I would love to go to one of them. I love Sneaky Pete. Uh, I think you'll find me and you'll be doing a night when things go back. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that. <laughs> Julie Passed, right? <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question that I sometimes throw at my DJs, right? So prepare yourself for this one because the okay. DJ on. It's a Frankie Elise DJ set. There's three tunes that I'm going to expect. What would mm. they? Three tunes that you would definitely want to play in a set all the time. All the time. Okay. Every um, so, oh, these three tunes, I have to play them. Okay, so there's one tune that I absolutely love. And I actually have played this with Josette before. It works very well with the violin. And it's called um, Lil Val by Storkin. Nice. So it's, oh my God, it's so good. It's like proper Italo disco vibes. I'm really loving Italo disco. It's so good. And I, I love the 80s, but it's, it's only been made in the past few years oh it's great so I'd play that one definitely play that um other ones that I'd play um I see one that really works well on a techno set and I've done this before um I think you freaky you know um but yeah right that's such a good one um by d by d antwoord um love that one love that it's so good um so I'd probably play that and uh another one oh Oh gosh, um, one that I'd have to, oh, I, I think I want to go for a disco one because I, I bloody love disco. So I think um, a disco one would maybe be, oh God, let me think. See what, Touch Me in the Morning by Merlena, by Merlena Shaw, that probably would be oh, one yes. I'd go for. It's such a good one. I'd, I'd say that's, that's probably one of my favourite disco tunes. Um I absolutely love that song. Like one of my <laughs> now that I'm absolutely obsessed with that I'm currently looking for on my phone that I can tell you is that's literally there. Summer 91 by Noizu. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. I have to write that down so I can give a wee swatch. It I sent yeah, and it was the one that's it's a piano house track. And it says like, and I just I felt it was so apt that it says, you know, you don't notice until it becomes a memory. And I thought that is so apt right now about the dance floor that it feels like such a memory. And it's got the 90s like dun 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 on the piano. Fucking better. It's like, I just can't stop looking back. Like it's just, it's me right now. It's me thinking about all the dance floor days that I miss and I can't wait to bring back. You know, um, what are your goals as a DJ and journalist? You know, have you got any goals for when things return that you want to do, like new nights or anything like that? We're talking about, you know, things returning. I reckon, you know, my goal really is just to, yeah, hopefully put on nights. I'm, I'm hoping with Polka Dot Disco Club, kind of do it with that, um, you know, maybe maybe book some bigger DJs. I think that'd be quite fun. Uh, I would love to do that. I've always wanted to do that. So um, perhaps maybe with that and then with Kintra, I guess just kind of keep on 
you know, getting gigs with with Kintra. I think Kintra is kind of more of my main focus now. Like Frank Ellis was just kind of something I started, you know, when it was when it was just me. And then my sister kind of jumped on to with me maybe what two years ago I think it was when we started doing like actual Kintra stuff properly so I think that's my main focus just because it's you know we've put the time and effort into the EP and we're, we're totally busy with that and I think with the violin as well it's a lot of fun um so yeah I think it's more kind of pushing that rather than my own DJing but I'd, I still definitely will do gigs like as as myself because it's not always that the violin works you know what I mean like it doesn't work in every set but yeah, I think that's that's hopefully what we're gonna do. Just kind of keep doing it, have fun, see my friends, um, you know, take life less seriously. I think, you know, before the pandemic, I totally took life for granted. It's really interesting because I do remember very, very vividly lying in my bed and I was on the phone to my mum, and this was like January last year, and I was just saying to my mum, I feel down. That you know, when you just have those days, you're like, I just feel crap, like I just felt so down. And she was like, Why? And I was like, I don't know. And she was like, Frankie, you have all these things to look forward to. You've got this, you've got that. I was about to go to Costa Rica. She's like, you've got like all these like exciting things. Like, you know, I wish I was your age and able to do all that. And I just took it for granted because I always had been able to do these things. Yeah. And then and then funnily enough, two months later or whatever it was, everything stopped. And I just remembered that conversation. I don't even know if my mom realizes how like kind of poignant it was. And I was just like, shit. I really took my life for granted and I am never going to do that again, ever, ever again. And I think that's, you know, one thing going forward, like I've got all these goals. I want to, you know, DJ more or whatever, but I just want to have fun. I really just want to enjoy myself. Yeah. I think that's maybe my main goal. <laughs> that's, beautiful. that's so apt and really relatable for everyone that'll be listening and all the other guests that have been on Afternoon Delight. We are covering hope for season three that you obviously know about with other guests talking about moments of hope where, things weren't going well for them and, and hope got them through and I would love for you to share your experience of maybe a time that was hard and hope has been getting you through yeah I think um perhaps you know the pandemic I think a difficult thing for me and I've spoke about it before to a few people was when I went to Costa Rica during the pandemic and I thought I was going to get stuck there like I really did I know it seems mad now and even thinking back I'm like why was I worried why was I so scared but I was genuinely terrified I've never felt like that before all I could think about was COVID all I could talk about was COVID that's all anyone could talk about and I remember actually thinking like what did we talk about before COVID <laughs> like it was it was horrible and it, it, people were saying to me but you're in paradise Frank you're in this amazing hostel you know you've got a swimming pool you're in the heat and I was like it's not as amazing as you'd think because all the bars are shut all the nightclubs are shut like everything's shut like the beach was shut <laughs> we couldn't even go on the beach like it was just it was hard and I think the biggest the scariest thing was I was so worried that I wouldn't get home I did not think I was going to get home because you know the, all these other countries were, were shutting their borders and I thought Costa Rica might be next like what if they're next what if they're st I'm stuck here and how am I going to you know live in Costa Rica where am I going to go and I think the scary thing was we didn't know how 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 dangerous Covid was and I mean COVID is dangerous, right? Don't get me wrong, it's dangerous. But I've had it. I've had COVID and I was absolutely fine. Just, and it, you know, it, it, it's just the way I dealt with it. It's just, you know, what my body reacted to it like. But I didn't know if I would be at the time. I didn't know if I would be one of the ones that perhaps had to go in intensive care. So I think that was why it was so scary. Um, it was awful. It was really bloody awful. And it, 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 the anxiety, man, it was just, I was riddled. I was riddled with anxiety. You know, during that time, I, I, a dog, like a little dog, like scratched me, right? This is mad. 
um, didn't even scratch me. Like literally those, the, the hostel, one of the girls who worked in the hostel, she had this little cute, gorgeous little puppy. And then she was like, oh, you could hold it if you want. So I remember sitting there like kind of had it and then she, it just kind of like scratched me a wee bit, you know, as it was kind of clawing up me. Um, but just a tiny bit, didn't even draw blood, but I freaked out. And I was like, oh my God, that's it, I've got rabies. Oh my God, I've got, I've got rabies, have to have rabies. I, I went to the, right, honestly, this was crazy. I went to the doctors, <laughs> this random doctors that I found on like Google. I was like, uh, Medicos in Costa Rica, ah, okay. And then like, went along and, they, <laughs> and he was like, looking at me like, what the fuck? And I was explaining to him like in Spanish what, what had happened. So he was like, yeah. Like, you don't have rabies, but in case you have an allergic reaction, I'll give you a jab in your arse. So that's 100 euro, or not 100 um, pounds it was. So I spent 100 pounds to get a jab in my arse. Like, it's just, that's how crazy. I was losing my mind. Losing my mind. Um, I would not have acted like that normally, but I guess everything was heightened. You know, everything was heightened. So, um, yeah, not a lot of people know about the jab in my arse story. Do you... Uh, Do you the jag in the arse was the hope then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, no, the hope really was just for me, seeing like my friends and family sending me videos and, and messaging me all the time and, and, and telling me, you know, you're going to be all right. And that, that was, it was just me keeping up the hope as well. That was kind of it. I was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I did have my flight sorted, even though there was a bit of a faff with it. The, sort, the flight was sorted in the end and it, it was really just kind of believing in myself and believing I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back. Things are going to be fine. Um, just try not to give into the, the negative thoughts. And I've got to say, my friends were so useful to me at that time. Like they were just brilliant. Like, and yeah, there was a guy that I was seeing at the time as well. And he was like, fantastic. He was texting me all the time, calling me all the time. And like, he is a friend. I would consider him a friend. And um, yeah, I just think people were were so great. So I think that hope did get me through that. And then I remember getting on the, getting to the airport and there was a big flaff with the flights. And basically I thought I was booked on it because I, I tried to cancel it because, you know, we, we wanted to go home earlier and then there was a big faff and then I had to get a later flight, blah, 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 blah. Long story. But I got to the airport and turns out, you know, I wasn't on that flight, but I was trying to get on it anyway because I thought, well, I've still got a flight booked. Can I just get on this one? And as soon as they said, see, yes, you can. I started crying. I just started crying. And that'd been me hoping that I'd get on it. And um, he was like, are you okay? Are you sad? I was like, no, I'm just so happy. <laughs> I started wait for Leith, I said. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that was it. It was just, you know, that, that, it maybe doesn't seem that difficult. You know, like people have probably been through like harder times, but for me, that was just, I think, the peak of my kind of anxiety and, and yeah, it was awful. It was really, really bad. Thank you for sharing it, though, because I know you sit and go, oh, well, it probably isn't that big a deal. But it hit home with me because my mum was in Turkey when the pandemic happened and she was stuck. And, you know, we were sitting, me and my brother and family, and we were all, my auntie that occasionally texts me, phones me once a month, was like, is your mum home and OK? So you were not the only one going through that. Everyone was all in this together, as High School Musical said, haha. But... <laughs> It was sort of that, that family were all coming together and we were like, is my mum going to be home? Okay, my mum's just a typical Sagittarius that she was like, oh, I'll be fine, haha. <laughs> but she, we were genuinely all texting her like, are you all right though? And is your flight going to happen? And it, I totally related. So it hit me and I'm so really honestly thankful you shared that. It's been, it's been such a great interview, Frankie. I listen to you talk all day and we've reached the end. Thank you. It's the end of the interview. Thank you for sharing all your work. And we close every episode with an infamous quote or a quote from yourself that you want to share. And I would love for you to share your quote to end the episode. 
All right, well, mine's a bit daft because I, I'm never too serious about these things. But um, my quote's from... So I, I used to love... Mar- I still do. I love Marilyn Monroe. But um, there's a film she's in, Gentlemen... Uh, was it Gentlemen Prefer Blondes? And Jane Russell stars alongside her. And I really like her as well. So she had a really good quote, and I love it. So it's, um, publicity can be terrible, but only if you don't have any. And I love that. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, I want a bit of publicity. I'm a bit of a drama queen. Yes, I, I would like that. Um, <laughs> and I guess it's kind of like, you know, our line of work where DJs, yes, we want publicity. Yes, we do. <laughs> so I just really like that. It was just a bit daft, just a bit funny and, you know, kind of lighthearted. And that's uh, that's, that's kind of, I guess, how I want to, to live my life going forward. Everything being less serious. Um, you know, especially when we come out of this pandemic, I hope everything is just just a bit more fun, a bit more lighthearted. So, yeah, that's why I chose that quote <laughs> from Jane Russell. Absolutely incredible. And I think we all need to start, like, start taking life a bit less serious. You're so right. Frankie, thank you so much for joining me on Afternoon Delight. It's been absolutely incredible. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. <laughs> that story, Frankie, thank you so much for sharing your story about getting stuck abroad during the pandemic that that was a head fuck I think anyone that has truly felt the brunt of this pandemic you know anxiety has been through the roof and for me that story was so similar to my own mother's story that she had unfortunately went abroad just before the pandemic started and she was stuck as well and I remember my family and me thinking oh god will she be all right is she gonna catch this there on the plane when she gets back And I can't even begin to imagine everything that was going through your head, but I'm so glad that you were able to keep that hope and that got you home on that flight. You are incredible. The fact you've been creating music during the pandemic and running all your radio stations, Polka Dot Club with all your young, beautiful artists, like for me, I felt that as a mother with House Liability, which we talked about. You honestly are an absolute delight to have on Afternoon Delight. And I can't wait till when things open, we put on a DJ night together on a club, dirty underground vibes. We need to get some tunes together. We need to get some music together. And I feel like finally, with things going the way they are, the pandemic, I know Frankie and I both have that hope now that venues will start opening up. And when we return, me and Frankie, both have said this, that we will be having much more fun. And that has been a mantra I've always said to my drag children and to anyone in the industry, is it's meant to be fun. Please do give Frankie a follow on Instagram, on Frankie Elise, and on Twitter as well. She is absolutely amazing, and her music is absolutely great. I can't wait to hear Kintra's drop for the EP. Join me for two more episodes this week. I'm going to keep it a surprise. A surprise, surprise. It's going to be such an interesting week and I'll be dropping the episode Saturday and Sunday. As always, we wanted to drop it Monday to give something for people to want to do on Monday because let's face it, you were all drinking outside in the sun on Saturday and recovering yesterday or if you all weren't, I was. But until then, stay safe, enjoy the sunshine and remember to breathe.